over the past couple weeks. This is our third week now. We've called this series uh, Joseph's Journey. We called it Joseph's Journey. And uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter number 39. And we're going to read about 14 verses roughly, starting at verse number 7. And we're going to read through verse number 23. So Genesis 39, verses 7 through 23. Again, we're on our series, Joseph's Journey. Uh, Starting at verse number 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and he said, to his master's wife, behold, my master, would it not that what is with me in his house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand? There is no greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do this his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and, and got him out. And it came to pass... When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me, and he fled, and he got got him out. And and she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spoke unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and he fled out. And it came to pass and When his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. Then in verse number 20, we're going to read a few more verses here. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed his him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were there in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Verse 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. I titled this message today, The Power of a Faithful Life. The Power of a Faithful Life. Amen. Let's bow our heads and our hearts as we look to this message today. Father, we just glean from you. We we receive from your word today. I pray, God, right now that you would just touch hearts, touch lives, touch minds. Lord, that this is not just another message. This is this is something that we, we, we're not just going to gain enlightenment from, but Lord, this is going to go and grow roots in our spirit, in our hearts, in our minds, our lives. We're going to grow fruit because of this message here today. We're declaring that in the name of Jesus. You must increase and I must decrease. And everybody said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, Joseph's journey. You may be seated in God's presence. The power of a faithful life. The power. Look at your neighbor and say, the power of a faithful life. The power of a faithful life. The power of a faithful life. I'm going to switch off here, Brother Chad. We've been in this series the past few weeks on Joseph's journey. And this week, I just want to dive into uh, something that I believe is very prudent to the body of Christ today. I believe it's, uh, 
It's germane to the body here at Gospel Lighthouse. It's something that we could all glean from and learn from. But this is something that will be a great dictator of our life. Amen. And so we need, we're going to talk today about the faithfulness of not God, because we know God's faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, I know God's faithful. But ask him the question today, say, are you faithful? Are you faithful? The power of a faithful life. We want to talk about this for just a few moments today. A young man applied for a job as a farmhand. And when the farmer asked his qualifications, he said these words. He said, I can sleep when the wind blows. And this puzzled the farmer, but he liked the young man and he hired him anyway. And a few days later, the farmer and his wife were awakened at night by this violent storm that came ravaging in this little town that they lived in. They quickly began to check things out and um, they found out that all was secure. All on the land was, was secure. They found that the shutters of the farmhouse had been securely fastened. A good supply of logs had been set next to the fireplace. The young man had slept soundly even up to this point. And the farmer and his wife then inspected their property and they found that their farm tools had all been placed and put in the storage shed where they were supposed to go. They were all safe from the elements. And the tractor had been moved into the garage at this point. The barn was properly locked down, and even the animals were calm. All was well. And the farmer then stood and understood the meaning of what this young man said when he said, I can sleep when the wind blows. Because the farmhand did his work loyally and faithfully when the skies were clear, he was prepared for the storm when it broke out. So when the wind blew, he was not afraid. He could sleep in peace. How many knows what I'm talking about? When you have the peace of God in your life that passes all understanding, it doesn't make a difference what storm comes in your life. It doesn't make a difference what's happening. It doesn't make a difference what the doctor's report is. When things are all around us are in calamity, you can remain faithful. And this is the life and the story that we see of, the, of Joseph in Genesis even going into chapter number 39 today. This story of this young uh, farmhand, it illustrates a principle that that would do us well to learn. There, is, there was nothing dramatic, there was nothing sensational in this young farmhand's preparations. He just faithfully did what he needed to do each and every day. There was nothing that really stood out, really just, just this great thing that he did. It was just about his faithfulness. He just consistently, he was just consistent in what he did. And consequently, he, he was able to outlast the storm. And likewise, when the sun sat on each day in Joseph's life, he, he could rest each day. He put each day in God's hands. Have we learned to do that? That we put each day in His hands. Because, why? Because he had been faithful. Joseph had been faithful. And when his, 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 he was in his home with his father Jacob, he learned to be a faithful man. He learned to be a servant. He was faithful over his father's flocks. He had been a faithful worker. When he was sold to Potiphar, he proved to be a faithful servant. And because he had been faithful, the Lord blessed everything that he did. He blessed all of it. It didn't make a difference what was going on inside of Joseph, or even on the outside of Joseph. He remained faithful. And I want to say something out of the starting gate. Joseph was willing to do things that nobody else was willing to do. We've got to do what others are not willing to do so we can go where others are not able to go. A lot of people want position, but they don't want what comes along with position. They don't want the duties and the responsibility. They want the title, but they don't want what comes along with it. What comes along and what I'm looking for, what most people would look for is a boss or a, 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 a supervisor of sorts or whatever. And even in God's kingdom, he's looking for faithful servants. He tells us a great principle in the Gospels. He said, if you're faithful over little, then I'll make you ruler over many. But we live in a generation that wants more and don't want to do less. 
And so I, I, I'm just praying that this spirit of Joseph, if you will, would, would rub off on us today. And that if we can learn nothing else, we learn to be faithful over the little things of life. So in this passage, we're allowed to see faithfulness really clear in the life of Joseph. What does it look like? It's, it's, it's really very evident right out of the starting gate that he is a faithful man of God. He remains faithful to his God. He remains faithful to his master. He remains faithful to his convictions. And he remains faithful to himself. Amen. So as we pass through this life, many situations will arise that have the potential to throw us off course and will test our faithfulness. There's going to be things that come along in your relationships, young people, and even us as adults, that will try to test your patience and your faithfulness with your spouse. There's going to be people that try to intrude and it's going to test your faithfulness. And there's going to be a continuing world that's going to try to test your faithfulness to the God that you serve. Every single day, if you look on the news, you'll see one thing. The faithfulness of God's people is on trial. The faithfulness of our, of, of our relationship with God is on trial. So to the world, to the flesh, and to the devil, they will all conspire against us to get us to quit on God. That's the ultimate idea. And the thought is to get us, me and you, to quit on God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. They will do everything in their power to cause us to drop out or to fall short of our potential in God. That's what this world system does, who is brought about by the enemy, right? So God wants us to be faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants me to be faithful. He wants us to stay the course and to run the race for His glory until He calls each and every one of us home. He wants us to be known by and for our faithfulness to God. So Joseph teaches us how to be faithful. Number one, I want us to take this down. He teaches us that to be faithful in spite of the temptations. In spite of the temptations. Be faithful in spite of the temptations. How many knows the temptations are going to be real in this life? The temptations are going to be real. The temptation to do wrong is going to be right in front of you. The temptation to act out is going to be the temptation to not follow through. There's going to be all sorts of temptation, whether that be the lust of the flesh, whether that be to compromise in some sort of way. There's always going to be a temptation to do the wrong thing. Okay? So in context here, Joseph... We understand in verse number 6 of chapter number 39, the Bible said that he was a good-looking man. That's the, the Bible's verse. This is what God is saying about Joseph. This man, he was a handsome man. He had all the goods, if you will. He probably had muscles. He had, he had the perfect hairline. He had the perfect tan line. He had all these things going for him. And how many know sometimes beauty can bring on its own set of problems, Right? So you really got to be careful. You got to really be faithful with the temptation. So as Joseph ministered in Potiphar's house, he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife. She began to flirt with him. You see that in verse number seven. After a short period of time, she, she became downright brazen in her approach. She asked Joseph to lie with her. Okay? To lie with her. He, he refused advances, but she persisted. And you see this in verse number 10. She kept on. How many knows the enemy will continue to persist and push on that thing that he believes is a temptation in your life? The enemy is not going away is easy. He keeps pushing you to see if you will eventually give in to a particular thing. And so here, the enemy, if you will, is, is, you know, is, is as such as Potiphar's wife has come to Joseph wants him to lie with her, but then uh, on a certain day, she was in the house, she was all alone, and when Joseph came in, she grabbed him by his outer garment. Okay? She grabbed him by his outer garment, she said, lie with me. Alright? Joseph left his garment in her hand, and he ran off. Okay? And in this trial by fire, remained absolutely faithful to the Lord. He remained faithful in spite of the temptation that came his way. See, temptations are going to come in various 
aspects all throughout our life. So there's some there's several things, there's some features of this temptation that, that was made. And I, I want to talk about these just for just a few moments today. It was a temptation to feel and fulfill a natural and a legitimate need. This was a temptation to fulfill a natural and a legitimate need. The offer from Potiphar's wife was for, let's bring it down into modern language, the word lie with me would mean sex in our generation. He was wanting, and she was wanting to lie with him. She was wanting sex from him. And God made us sexual creatures. Amen? Some of y'all are getting real uncomfortable because the pastor used that word today. God made us sexual creatures and many people believe they have the right to satisfy their sexual desires in any fashion that they choose. That's what they believe. But God has a different opinion. I said God has a different opinion. Any sexual expression that takes place outside of the boundaries of marriage and outside of the marriage relationship is either fornication or adultery. Okay, amen? Either one, listen, either one is a sin against God, it's a sin against your spouse, it's a sin against your future spouse, or even yourself. Okay? So Joseph's response to Potiphar's wife was a response that we should all adopt when it comes to dealing with sexual sin. What did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 2? He said, flee youthful lust. Flee fornication. Flee youthful. In other words, he's saying don't flirt with it. Flee from it. We all know people that are flirty. We all know people that got different intentions in life. That's going to happen throughout the course, whether you're married someday, young people, or not. Married people say amen. People are going to flirt. People are going to say things and try to seduce you, if you will. And here's Potiphar's wife. She's an example. She's a married woman. But she's going after a single man. She's going after this young man. And, and so Joseph was a long way from home in a strange land. There was a lot that was opposing him. And we've seen this over the past few weeks. Some people might have adopted the motto, what other people don't know won't hurt them. A lot of people live like that. A person that that's unguarded, will do things on the road that he or she would not do at home. A young person will do things at a party uh, that they do not do at home if they're left unguarded. Joseph did not care where he was. He was determined to do the right thing. Your character should be on trial in all places and at all times. Our character is always on trial. To do the right thing is always in order. Amen? So if you have to mislead, if you have to cheat or try to figure out how that you can get away with it or, or lie about it or manipulate in some kind of way, then that's an indicator that it's not of God. And that person is not for you. Amen? But that will always be an option. Your option will always be to cheat. You always have an option to cheat. You always have an option to lie. You always have an option to manipulate. And how many know sometimes telling the truth can be a difficult thing? Sometimes telling the truth will cost you. And we see this in the life of Joseph. He didn't do everything wrong. He was doing everything right and still found himself on the wrong end of the deal. But I can tell you something about Joseph. He was able to lay his head down on his pillow at night and know that he'd done everything that he could in good conscience toward his God. He could lay in peace. And so he refused to violate the trust of his master. We see that in verse number 9. He wasn't going to break trust. He also refused to break the trust of his God. We see that also in verse number 9. So his family would have never have known, but Potiphar might have never have known even. But Joseph knew that God in heaven would know. How many knows we serve a God that is omniscient? How many knows what that means? It means he's all-knowing. He knows past, present, and future. We can't hide anything. Somebody said he's an all-seeing eye, and undoubtedly he is. And we have to be careful 
Because we got to understand that God in heaven, and Joseph understood this, that maybe nobody else would know, but God would know. Amen? And that not just did something to his psyche, but that also caused him not to move forward in a particular sin. It, it, was, a, it was this barrier that he said, I'm not going beyond this point. Because I don't want to violate my conscience and I don't want to cause, I don't want to cause and violate my trust with my God. That's where he was. That's what we're talking about when we talk about faithfulness. So Joseph knew that, that God would know. Okay. So Miss Potiphar was undoubtedly a beautiful woman, right? She was an Egyptian woman and they were renowned in that day with and, and about their physical beauty. And surely she would have been appealing to him as being a male. She would have been appealing. But nowhere in the text does it say that she was rep he was repulsed by her appearance. He, he was undoubtedly a handsome man. And she undoubtedly was a beautiful woman. And had he have given into her advances, there can be little doubt that there would have been this what the world would say, some sort of enjoyable experience. Sin can be enjoyable for a season. It's a seasonal enjoyment. But can I tell you the weight of that thing, when it comes down upon you, it's like a ton of bricks. It will look so sweet in the beginning. It will look so innocent in the beginning. It will come wrapped up and packaged up just like you want it. And all of a sudden, when you partake of that particular thing, all of a sudden, the condemnation will begin to fill your heart. You'll begin to think, why did I do this? And then the enemy will say, you're no good anymore. Just walk away from God. There's no way. Can I tell you, all we have to do in that moment, I say all, because sometimes we will slip up, right? Amen? Anybody slipped up? We repent and do our first works over again. We turn from that thing and we turn back to God. So Joseph was interested in more than simply gratifying his flesh. He was determined to be faithful to God regardless of the personal cost. It was a decision that he made far before he arrived even in Egypt. And it was a decision that he determined to stand by. See, you just can't do the right thing all of a sudden. Sometimes the enemy will tell us, eventually you'll do the right thing. That's not how it works. You've got to set it apart in your mind and say, I'm going to do this thing because it's an atrocity against God. And I'm not going to go down this path. You've got to store up that in your mind, in your spirit. You got to say, I'm not going to do that particular, I'm not going to cross that line. And then when you get in a moment where you are tempted, at that point, you have built up some resistance against that thing. See, if you've just been used to giving in to sin all the time, and the enemy just runs into your life and says, do this, and you go do that, and you're almost like this robot for the enemy, and you can't control the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, and it just runs all over you, you're going to have a hard time. When the temptations of life come, you're not going to be able to stand up against the enemy. You've got to build up some spiritual resistance against the devil. Because he knows what your he knows what your lean is. He knows what you fall prey to. He knows the things that catches your eye, if you will. So he'll keep sending those things, those people, those those, those, those assets, whatever it is, the lust of the eye, the lust of the, the, the pride of life, all of these things, he'll keep sending them your direction like a hundred mile an hour fastball until you finally say, not today, devil. Not to, you ain't getting me today. You may have gotten me yesterday, but you're not going to get me today. So Joseph had convictions. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to have some convictions. And he was not going to cave into this and he was not going to be, he, he had drawn himself out some boundaries. And God, uh, I, I was thinking about this last night, I said, God, give us some boundaries. In a generation that has no boundaries, give the church of God, for goodness sakes, some boundaries. Give us some boundaries, give us some convictions. And then when, when times of temptation come our way, 
There is no choice in the matter. We have already decided what we will do. We are doing nothing. Listen, we're doing nothing on the fly. We're doing nothing by the seat of our pants. It's set in stone and I refuse to give place to the lust. And here's the thing. I refuse to give place to the devil in my life. I'm not giving myself over to those things. But, you know, the world says, you know, you just, you know, if it feels good, do it. And also we see here that it came on the heels of this big promotion. He was the head over Potiphar's house. He had all in his grasp at this point. So he had this big promotion. And a lot of people would assume that they would, had arrived at this point. That man, life is just being really good. And, and I've even had people say things and they knew it was a temptation from the enemy. And they said something like this, kind of in a sarcastic way. Well, you know, the Lord's just really blessing me. That was sent by the devil. That thing was sent by the devil. And how are you going to give credit even in a sarcastic way to God? But it came on the heels of his promotion. He was head over Potiphar's house. And a lot of people assume that that they just arrived. But Joseph, he had he had the favor of Potiphar. Okay, he was the king of the roost of his house. He he did as he pleased. And some people might have concluded I can do no wrong. And I will enjoy the fruits of my labor. They would have considered Potiphar's wife being the fruit of their labor. That's the world system. That's what the world would say, but not Joseph. Why? Because he's a faithful man. So it would do us well to remember that we are never more vulnerable to temptation than, we, than when we have just enjoyed a great victory. We have these great victories that happen. Do you see it on Monday morning when you leave church, when you come home after having a wonderful service and we prayed and several people have felt really good and then all of a sudden you go into work on Monday. And it's almost like the enemy's waiting for you or you get that phone call or that family member's frustrating you again and Whatever the case. So I've often said that after our greatest victories, we will go through our greatest difficulties. You'll find that to be true throughout life. So when we have been a part of a great victory, we seem to feel like we can do anything. We feel like we're on the mountaintop. And in those moments, temptation and failure are more real than they've ever been. Also, it can it came at the perfect time, and it came at the perfect opportunity. Talking about Potiphar's wife. She showed up at the perfect time with the perfect opportunity. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph when there was no physical reason why they should not have and could not commit adultery. Nobody would have seen it. Nobody would have known about it. And see, that's what the devil will tell some people. Nobody will ever know about this thing. Just go ahead and do it. If it feels good, you know, your flesh is rising up. Uh, the self-gratification thereof is rising up. And, and nobody will know about this thing. So all physical reasoning in the flesh's sake would be to go ahead and fulfill that thing. But the only thing that stopped them was Joseph's integrity. God raised up some people with integrity. God raised up in this generation some people with integrity. He stood His ground and He determined to do what was, what was right regardless of the cost. And it did cost Him. Again, doing the right thing sometimes will cost you, but it's always the right thing to do. So we need to remember that our enemy is a master at setting things up. Have you ever seen it happen in your life? Setting the stage for you. Preparing the road ahead of you. Laying out the trap, the snares, the Bible would say. The plot of the enemy. He's laying it out like this, this, this beautiful golden brick road and just keep going down this path and you find yourself, if you're not careful, in the grip of Satan. So we need to remember that the enemy is a master at setting things up and he will put us in just the right places at just the right time. I'm talking about the enemy would do that. 
He will make sin look so innocent. He will make it look so easy in your life. He will make it seem as though that you would be a fool to refuse him. I would remind you that all Satan's apples have worms. Every single one of them. And I would also remind you that the opportunities he gives you to sin will lead you to disappointment, will lead you to a place of disillusionment, will leave you in a place of discouragement and even possibly death. So let me just make a few statements here. Temptation is never from God. We are tempted, the Bible said, when we're drawn away by our own lust. Okay, so if the temptation is from any, we obviously know the temptation is not from God. The temptation is from the enemy. No temptation is taking you except that which is common to man. It's common. It's something that, that, that you would be prone to. So there's always a way out, though, of temptation. Right? And there's a way out of temptation. We know this in 2 Timothy. We read about it that we're to flee fornication. We're to flee youthful lust. Don't play around with it. Flee. I used to be in this group uh, when I was district youth director. I'd have several guys in a group and and, and they would talk about various things that they dealt with. And most of the time, it was the lust of the flesh. And they would send me a message and they'd say, Brother Tim, they say, I'm struggling with this. I'm at home by myself and my parents are not here and nobody's around. I would say, get out of the house. Number one, get out of the house. Don't even grab your jogging gear. Just start running around the block. Get out from the environment that you're used to. Shut the computer off. Whatever you're endeavoring upon right now, turn off that television. Walk around. Get out of that environment. What do you have to do? You have to deal with it immediately. Look at your neighbor and say, it's got to be dealt with immediately. You don't want to linger with it. You don't want to play with it. You got to nip it in the bud, okay? You got to nip it in the bud. And finally, you got to deal with it. Another one, you got to deal with it realistically. You got to get away from it at all costs. Get away. Get out of there. Get out of that place. Stop talking to that person that continually tries to lure you in. And we know, and we all have people in our life that try to do those types of things. So you got to deal with it immediately. You got to deal with it realistically. You got to deal with it ruthlessly sometimes. Okay? Do whatever it takes to vo- avoid it. Do whatever it takes to avoid it. Then you got to deal with it consistently. Learn to be consistent in your resistance. You got to deal with it confidently. We have the Lord's great promise that when in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 13, that, that God will make a way of escape that we will be able to bear it. He will make a way for escape. I had a young man tell me one time, said, said, Brother Tim, I just don't know why my computer keeps shutting off. I said, what are you looking at? God's making a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That word escape there means to egress or means a way out. He's given you a way out. It was used in ancient Greece to refer to a landing place for a ship. Okay, Those temptations that we cannot escape, He will enable us to bear them. Okay, God's promise to us is that while temptations will come our way, He will always enable us to land safely on the other side if we take the way of escape. He's providing a landing strip for us. So the main reason Joseph was able to remain faithful in the day of salvation was because he saw sin for what it really was. He did not see it for just a few moments of pleasure. He did not see it as his own right. He did not see it as even an option. Joseph saw sin as an affront to Almighty God. You see that in verse number 9. He wasn't just sinning against himself, sinning against his own body. He was sinning against Almighty God. So if you want to successfully navigate the troubled waters of temptation, then learn to see sin for what it really is. It's not a mistake. It is wickedness. See, society will call it a mistake. God calls it sin and wickedness. Amen. You see how we try to dub down the word so it's not as bad when we commit it. It's a mistake. 
it is it is not an affair. It's an it's adultery. Right. It's not an alternative lifestyle. It's an abomination to the Lord. See, the language, the society in which we live in tries to soften it. So it softens your conscience to that thing. But God has alternative words. So when 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 the Bible calls it an abomination, we don't call it an alternative lifestyle. Right. It's not a slip of the tongue. It's gossip. It got quiet in here. It's not an abortion. It's murder. You see how we dub it down in society? Right? Sin is a shame in any life. That is especially true when it is the life of a believer. It should grieve us when we sin. We should not be so hard-hearted that when we sin, we all of a sudden are just able to, oh, well, I just go on my merry way. No, your conscience, if you sin against God and you're one of His own, it will eat you up. Until you repent of that thing and begin to move forward. So Joseph was faithful in spite of the temptation that came his way. And I don't know about you, but I want to finish well. Anybody want to finish well? I would like to be able to say, as Paul said in to Second Timothy, to Timothy and Second Timothy, chapter number four, verse number seven, that I have fought a good fight, that I've finished my course, that I have kept the faith. He also goes on to say, He that endures to the end shall be saved. I want to have a spirit of endurance. But in order to have a spirit of endurance, it's not just enough to say it. You've got to have a lifestyle of faithfulness to God. It requires everything's got to be about faith. Faithfulness. You know, if you're not faithful to work, what are you going to get? Fired. Why do we think God's any different? So, number two, we need to be faithful in spite of trials. In spite of trials, we need to be faithful. Miss Potiphar sets the trap. She sets up Joseph, and when Joseph runs out, I can see her as she messes up her hair. Can you just see this whole story? She's trying to frame him. I see her messing up her hair. She smudges her makeup, and she tears her clothes, and she starts to scream and cry and do all the things that she does. The other servants come, they come running to see what's going on. And she tells them that Joseph... Metaphor, she, she simply just kind of lays it out. Modern language, he tried to rape me. Now I have to believe something about these, these servants in this house. They had probably seen this before. They had probably seen her in this same type of light before. So this probably wasn't anything new with them. So she, she holds on to the garment. And when her husband arrives home, she springs the trap on him. And in essence, she blames Potiphar for the problem. You see how this sin just keeps going, doesn't it? It just keeps kind of, you know, it's like a snowball. It just keeps adding to it. You know, a snowball, you roll it downhill and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. That's what sin will do. So she tells her husband, you know, you're the reason why this happened. She says, if you hadn't brought this slave to my house, none of this would have happened. Look what you have allowed to happen in our home. You see how it just keeps progressing. But can I tell you, that spirit is a lying spirit and a manipulating spirit. So Potiphar hears the accusation against Joseph and he becomes angry. Okay, And I have always wondered... Who he was really mad at? Who was he really angry at? Was he mad at Joseph because he believed her story? Or was he mad at her because he knew that, that lust was on the deep down inside of her heart? He had already kind of been here before, if you will. He was mad at himself, maybe, because he didn't have the courage to stand up against his wife. Or was, the mad, was he mad because he was thinking of all the money that he was going to lose out now that the blessings of God wasn't flowing in his household because now Joseph's no longer there. Because the Bible said wherever Joseph went, the house prospered. So all of a sudden, the well of prosperity began to seize up because of all this that was going on. So surely Potiphar 
could see the inconsistencies in her story. He had to know that she was lying. So, for instance, why would Joseph have left the incriminating garment when he fled? He would have never have done that. So there were some inconsistencies in her story, all right? Hadn't Joseph proven himself to be a faithful servant who was above reproach year after year? Certainly he had. If Joseph believed his wife, then he allowed his anger to get in the way of him making a clear decision. So at any rate, the story ends the same. It ends abruptly. Joseph winds up in prison. That's it. You don't hear Joseph angry. You don't hear him upset. And how many would all agree that he should be angry and upset? You don't hear one peep out of Joseph. His integrity rose to the occasion. He realized, we preached this last week, if we will hold our peace, God will fight the battle for us. Joseph understood that very principle, but in the process of maintaining his integrity against God, he winds up in prison. So put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. You have been a faithful servant to your master. You have successfully avoided committing adultery with his wife, even though she was practically, she had thrown herself on him day after day. You have been falsely accused. Now what do you do? You end up in prison. And most of us would have launched a loud and a long defense. Amen? We would have declared our innocence and we would have vowed to take our, our revenge when the opportunity presented itself, but not Joseph. In fact, there is no record of him even opening his mouth about this situation. So in this respect, Joseph is once again just like Jesus. I was thinking about Isaiah 53 and 7 where the Bible said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not even open his mouth talking about our Savior. And we mentioned two weeks ago that Joseph has is, 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 is got similar tendencies. He's a type and shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. So we see here that Joseph did not even open his mouth just like Jesus in Isaiah 53. That was, that was a prophecy that landed 2,000 years before he showed up on this earth. That he on the day that he was crucified. So he, he, he did not open his mouth. He took the trial that came his way and he endured it with grace and he endured it with faithfulness. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to be faithful. Now, I'm not saying that we should never defend our name. I'm certainly not saying we should never defend our name or our reputation when we are slandered. What I'm talking about is the fact that trials are going to come along with this life. There will be times when you will be attacked. There will be times when you will be misunderstood. There will be times when you will be misrepresented. And in, when those times come, remember that God knows the truth and eventually the truth will come out and the truth will set you free. Hold fast to your faithfulness. Hold fast to integrity. So, what I'm saying is that you and I must learn to be faithful even during the trials of life. When everything goes against us and, and the full weight of life comes crashing down upon us, we must be ever remain faithful to the Lord who loved us and bought us and saved us and kept us. So, in other words, don't get mad at someone and just simply try to quit and give up and say, you know what? I'm just going to allow my circumstances and I can't control how I'm going to act and how I behave in the next few minutes. Because my circumstances has given me a pass to behave how I want. Can I tell you, we're not called to do that type of thing. Don't let the hardships in the valleys of life throw you off course. Don't get upset when things don't go your way. You know, the true test is when things don't go our way, how do we respond to those things? I was talking to a gentleman the other day at work, and, and, and he had applied for this night manager position and, and such, and, and um, he was talking to me about it. I said, he, he was asking me, because we, we talk a lot about work and different things and aspects and even talk about God on occasion, and, he, and I said, be careful how you respond after the fact, since he didn't get the position, I said, be careful how you respond moving forward. 
everybody is going to be watching your attitude and how you proceed. And it doesn't mean that you may not eventually land it. It just simply means this was not your season. There's a time and season for everything under the sun. That's what Solomon said. And so we got to watch our actions. We got to watch our attitudes. We got to watch how we deal with things. And we got to remain faithful in this life. Number three, we got to be faithful in spite of tragedies. Faithful in spite. Joseph is back in the pit once again. This seems to be a reoccurring thing in his life. It's almost like you can rewind the tape moving to a different place, but he ends up in the same situation. You would almost think that Joseph is the one to be faulted. There was a thing that went on in the church a number of decades ago that would say, you know, this, this could not be from God. If you're dealing with these trials and troubles, you have to have sin in your life. Can I tell you, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. We see through the life of Job that he was a just man in the Scripture, but yet God said to Satan, have you tried my servant Job? There are situations that are going to come to test the very core of our faith. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And so here Joseph is, and he finds himself back in the pit of life once again. Again, not for the first time. This is a recurring thing now. He finds himself in a prison. He's in this life of ups and downs. You ever been there? And many people would have given up and they would have quit. And they would have found themselves, if they had found themselves in this same kind of a situation, they would have given up, but not Joseph. He did it. He didn't because he was in the prison. He had been over Potiphar's house and he was found himself and they found himself to be faithful. So he remained faithful in spite of everything that life threw at him. He did his job there in that prison. And he did it so well that soon he was running the entire place. See again how he just keeps moving up. See, you can't stop God's anointing upon your life. No principality, no power, no devil in hell is going to stop where God ultimately wants you to go. He has a plan. He has a purpose and he has a place. So he's now running the jail. Different situation. The jailer trusts Joseph to do the right thing and he turned over all the day-to-day -day operations to him. And no matter where Joseph found himself, the favor of God found him there. Why? Because he was faithful. He found himself to be faithful to God. So how was this possible? Verse number 21 says this. says, The Lord was with Joseph. Very powerful words. Very powerful phrase here. The Lord was with Joseph. In verse number 21, that verse also says that he, that he showed him mercy. Verse 23 tells us again that the Lord was with him. It's a reoccurring thing. You know, sometimes we got to be reminded again that the Lord has not forsaken us. That lo, He will be with us always, even until the end. So it's a re, re, two verses in it, two times in three different verses. The Lord was with Joseph, and that which he did, the Bible said, the Lord made it to prosper. Everything that he did. My last verse, and and some of you that have been around for a number of years would know, probably could quote it. Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that God causes all things to work together for the good that them that love God and are called according to His purpose. That's where Joseph was. God worked everything out for the good. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. You see, Joseph was faithful to the Lord regardless of where he was. And regardless of where he was, the Lord was faithful to his servant, Joseph. There are going to be times when the bottom falls out of your life. That is the clear teaching of the Word of God. You see it all throughout the Bible. The bottom's going to fall out. And when that happens, there will be the temptation to give up. There will be the temptation to compromise. There will be the temptation to quit on God. And the flesh will say, what's the use? I've been faithful and still trouble came along my life. And, and we just have to have a spirit that says, I'm not going to give up. 
Satan will tell you that, that you should just quit on God and you should give up on God. Even some people around you will tell, tell you that you need to stop serving God, that it's gotten you nowhere but into trouble. Have you ever heard that before? I've heard people say that type of thing. You didn't have this type of stuff come upon you when you, you wasn't serving God. The enemy didn't have any reason to come after me. He already had me. So I want to I tell us that the world around us and our own flesh and the devil will speak and say things to us. We will say things to ourselves. Our own flesh will rise up against us. The lies of the devil will rise up against us. People around us. But listen, I'm telling you today, the devil is a liar. We can make it. We can get up out of the pit. We can move forward. We can prosper with God. He will move us in and put us in position where he wants us to. We just got to remain faithful in this life. And faithfulness is something else. And I'm going to bring this to a landing strip here in just a moment. Faithfulness is something people want all the titles. I, I remember telling somebody, I put on... Uh, when I filled out my resume for this previous job, I think I had about 30 pages on this resume. I've carried just about every title underneath the sun. Right? But I realized something. Titles don't really mean a thing. I, I, I don't really need any title. I don't really need any of those things. I, I'm just looking forward to the day when the Lord looks me in the face and says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I told Tara, if I pass before you, please put on my tombstone, servant of the Most High. I, I don't even need to have pastor on there. I don't need to have reverend or minister or, or, or whatever the case. Just put servant. Not, not trying to over uh, be humble today, but I'm just simply saying that's where I'm at. But Because we live in a culture that says, I want all the big stuff right now, but they haven't been faithful. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, can I do this position? I can't even get them to come to church two minutes early. They're not here no more. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to look around today. <laughs> One position, but couldn't be faithful. How do we do that? And we live in a society that's like that. We live in a generation that, that wants all the goods that comes along with it. I'm reminded of, and I'm going I'm to close with this. You can stand to your feet today. Faithfulness. Look at your neighbor and say faithful. 2,000 years ago, there was a woman named Mary who bowed at the feet of Jesus' feet. And this woman brought a very expensive box that was full of perfume, ointment. A very costly, some scholars believe this was worth a year's wage. She come bringing this to Jesus and the disciples are all around and she breaks this box open and you can just, in your spirit, you can just probably smell the aroma of the room just begins to flourish for whatever that ointment smelt like. And I'm reminded of what the disciples said. Judas particularly said this. He said, why this waste? You remember that? Why this waste? Sometimes people don't even understand our elaborate worship to God. They don't get us. They don't understand why you're so excited. They don't understand why you're clapping your hands. Pastor, why do you raise your hands and work? Why, why do you do all those things? They don't get our extravagancy in life. They don't get who we are. When we serve God, we serve God extravagantly. We give Him everything we got. And she brings this box of this ointment. She breaks it at the foot of Jesus. And Judas looks up, why this waste? Why would you waste this? That's what he says. Why would you waste it? And the Bible goes on to say he only said this because he was a thief and he had the money box. But what I want to say is he didn't understand the level of sacrifice, the level of worship. And I want to say something about waste because the world will talk about this, but 
Serving God is never a waste, young people. Living for God is never a waste. Giving all that you have to God, learn to do that at a young age because if you're not, you'll get old and stingy. You won't even want to give things away. Everything's got to, you, you know, you'll see somebody that, that's in need and you'll say, well, well how much you got? Don't, don't be like that. So serving God is never, never a waste. The only thing in our life that we have that's profitable is our life that we have to give to Him. So when she was pouring out this, this spikenard, this, this ointment unto the Lord, it was almost as if she was pouring out her life unto Him. She's saying, God, I'm going to give you everything. Jesus, I'm going to give you everything. And, and then when the, when, the, when the crowd, when Judas starts saying, why this waste of this ointment? What did Jesus say? He said, leave her alone. That's what the Bible said. She hath done what she could. She had given all. The implication is she gave everything that she had. She did not hold anything back. What are we talking about? Faithfulness. She was faithful to give to God what He gave already in return. Faithfulness. It, 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 it makes an inroad in every area of our life. Faithfulness will go home with you. Faithfulness will go to the schoolhouse with you. Faithfulness will go to work with you. Faithfulness will be in your marriage. Faithfulness will be in your church time. Faithfulness will be in your prayer time. Faithfulness will be in your devotion. If you've got faithfulness at the root and you've given your life to God and you've committed yourself to be faithful, it will make inroads in every other area of your life. Your boss won't have to call you 15 minutes after you were supposed to be at work. Are you coming in today? You're faithful. How I many of those Christians ought to be the first people there and the last one to leave? I didn't get very many amens on that one. First ones to leave, last ones, first ones to come, last ones to leave. I believe that. I, I, I just believe that's how we should be. That, that should be our make. We should be the hardest working people on the job site, wherever we're at, whatever that looks like. If that's on the keyboard or if that's putting up, you know, framing somewhere, whatever it looks like for you. We should be the hardest working people. We should be faithful. Create, in, allow God to use this in your life. Faithfulness. You don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to be the most rich. You don't even have to be handsome like Joseph. Be faithful though. And that one attribute in your life, faithfulness will take you a long way in this walk with God. It will take you all the way to the end. When everybody else is dropping out along the race, you just remain faithful. And it may look like you're at a snail's pace and everybody else looks like, a, looks like they're a cheetah, but you are just keep moving on. Just keep being consistent in your walk with God. Faithful. I'm not moving, Lord. You called me here. You called me to do this thing. I'm going to remain faithful. You know how many times on Monday morning the enemy tells, and I'm just going to open up for just a few seconds here. You know how many times the, the enemy has told me on a Monday morning to quit pastoring Gospel Lighthouse Church? Can I be honest? Should I be honest? Yes. Why? Because he's saying some things like that to you all. You need to break off that marriage. You need to leave that workplace. You need to stop doing that. You need to quit. No, you need to remain faithful. Remain faithful. Remain in the vine. Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. Remain faithful in whatever you're doing. If you're faithful over little, it's it just about our life should be about faithfulness. The aroma of our life should just. I had a guy tell me a few months back, he goes, Man, there's two things that are consistent this building and you. I know when I show up here, this building's going to be here. And I know you're going to be here as well. Well, he had done missed three weeks of work inside of three months. But he's seen faithfulness. And we need to model faithfulness to an unfaithful world. Show them that it's not outside of the realm of impossibility. That with God, all things are possible. 
And Joseph's life, his journey that we're going on, is so phenomenal because it teaches us no matter what comes, you can still remain faithful. They falsely accused me, God. They took everything that I had. They stripped me of it. They lied on me, whatever. He remained faithful. We can learn so much from that lifestyle. Pastor Sandra, would you come today? Let's lift up our hands for just a few moments. Come on, I want us to just pray together. Father, I pray over your people today. I pray a spirit of faithfulness would flood this house. In moments where the enemy would like to get us to quit and give up. And some of us, if we had a microphone today, would be a testimony of saying, the devil tried to get and steal my marriage a number of years ago, but I remained faithful. Tried to steal my walk with God a number of years ago, but I remained faithful. My circumstances were not, wasn't always good. I've seen death all around me. Throughout my, I, I buried loved ones that I didn't understand why this was happening, but I remained faithful. They did me wrong in the workplace. I didn't get the promotion that I was supposed to get, but I remained faithful. Life just took a series of turns, and I don't know how I got to where I, other than the fact that I know that I serve a faithful God. I just picked up one foot and put the other one down and just kept moving forward, walking by faith, not by sight. Understanding that I serve a God that is, in, that is faithful in all things, in all places, at all times. I pray faith, Lord, in this house today would rise up in the hearts of your people. The faithfulness of God would rise up in our hearts. And to be reminded that he that endured to the end shall be saved. That faithful spirit. Lord, I'm seeing too many that are falling to the right hand and to the left. A thousand may fall in my right hand and ten thousand, but it won't come nigh unto thee. I'm seeing people walk away from the faith, oh God, but today I'm declaring your people here at Gospel Lighthouse. Lord, we are staying the course. We're going to continue to fight the fight. We're going to keep the faith. We're going to remain faithful to the end. He that endures to the end shall be saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a few moments. I wonder if there's just somebody in here. You say, Pastor, my faith wavering just a bit today and I need prayer. I need a touch from the Holy Ghost today. I need, I need, I need somebody to agree with me. Just lift your hand and back down if that's you. My faith is wavering. I'm struggling. I'm dealing with some temptations, some trials of life. Let's take a hold of our neighbor's hand right now. Amen. Praise God. Come on, I want you to pray right now. I want you to pray something specific. I want you to pray for the greatest need in their life. Whoever that is, for your right and your left, just pray for both. Both persons. If you're on, if you're on the wall side, you only got one person to pray for. So just pray diligently for that one person. Come on, let's just pray together right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, if it's physical healing, if it's spiritual healing, if it's emotional, God, I know that there are people in this house that need a touch of the Holy Ghost. I pray that your hand would be with them. That you would strengthen them today, oh God. That you would wrap your loving arms. There's some in this building today that just feel so far away from you. They're continuing to press and crawl in like that woman trying to get to the hem of your garment crawling through the crowd as we spoke about last week. There's some that feel that way even this very moment. Wrap your loving arms around them, God, and let them know that you love them. That you so loved the world you gave. Come on, I want you to pray against. There's some things right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a few moments. There, there's some things that you are prone to slipping up on. There's some sins that the enemy keeps trying to 
put right out in front of you. He tries to lay it out like a buffet for you. Makes it look good and makes it look pleasing to the eye and all, all these various things. I want you to, you know what those things are right now. It's, some of you could be anger. Some of it could be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. So I want you to pray against that right now. Father, right now, those temptations you said that are taking us are common. But with every temptation, you provide a way of escape that we may be able to bear that thing. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that a spirit of faithfulness would come, that we're able to bear that thing in that moment. When we're tempted to rise up and speak out for ourselves, and when we're tempted to do the wrong thing, God, stand up in our place and say, no, no, that's not how we do anything. That's not how we do it. Lord, help us to learn to hold our peace and in that you will fight the battle for us. Help us to draw strength from your living water today, the well that never runs dry. Help us to draw nourishment from that manna that comes down like it did in the Old Testament, the heaven that feeds my soul. Let us feast upon you today, O God. And realize that everything else in life may not be enough, but Jesus, you are enough. You are faithful in all things. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody need special prayer today for healing? Sister Brenda, can we pray for you today? She's here in service. We prayed especially for her last week. Can I have some of our ladies come around? Sister Terrace, others, other of our ladies come and anoint Sister Brenda. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for a good report. Sister Terry, lay, lay, put some oil on her head. Everybody else, stretch your hand this direction. We're going to pray for Sister Brenda. So good to have her in God's house today, but we're going to pray for healing. Father, in the name of our Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, Lord, we're praying for healing in this body, we pray. What the devil means for evil, God, you always turn it around for you. Lord, I think about Sister Darlene, her and Brother Glenn, who are in Arizona right now. She just went through surgery, had issues with her back and all of that. Lord, I, I, I'm praying over Sister Brenda. She won't have to need any of that right now in Jesus' name. You can work miracles in different capacities, God. You can use doctors or you can do something instantaneously. I'm believing right now for instant healing for Sister Brenda. Touch her. Strengthen her, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anybody else you need prayer today? Anybody need special prayer? Hallelujah. Keep praying for me. Um, I, I asked last week that, I asked on Wednesday night too, about my job situation. There's a position coming available. We don't know how it's going to work out. We're just going to put it in God's hands. I was able to reach out to the director, and um, they said when that position comes available, just go ahead and fill out for it, and we'll see what happens. I'm going to put it in God's hands, but keep praying for me. I need this day shift. Amen? Anybody ever work nights? Anybody ever work third shift? It will test everything within you. <laughs> it will. I was telling Brother Chad, I said, I feel like I'd be more, I, I, I would just be better suited for days. 